Revolutions Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, recorded live at WBAI 99.5 in Brooklyn every Tuesday at 5. RPM is about doing the work, the work to build a democratic socialist future. Every week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in NYC. Join the movement at socialists.nyc. Yo, it's Good New York. You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on Underground WBAI. We're a socialist radio show and podcast for members of the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. The DSA is the largest socialist organization in the United States, with 56,000 members nationwide, and NYC DSA is its biggest chapter. We are run by our 5,500-plus members and organizers who are working together to build a democratic socialism in all five boroughs. Bernie is back, and he's better than ever. This weekend, 26,000 supporters of his campaign gathered in Queensborough Park to celebrate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's endorsement and together prepared to fight to elect a democratic socialist in the belly of the imperialist beast. It was the largest rally of any presidential candidate this year and demonstrates that the energy is with his campaign. Today, we're joined uh, by Charlie Bar- <laughs> Baker to discuss NYC DSA's effort to not uh, only elect Bernie Sanders, but to build working class organization for the long term struggle against capitalism. Then we have a live report from the rally by special correspondent Amy Wilson. But first, uh, the headlines. Uh, and we're doing it live today. Um, and I just, instead of uh, going through the Thorn, which is a great weekly newsletter that you should check out and you can get great updates on uh, electoral and other news items here in New York City, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the working class fighters all across the world right now in places like Lebanon, Barcelona, and Ecuador, Chile, and Haiti who are organizing, taking the streets, and fighting back against austerity and state repression. All on the mainstream corporate media, you'll hear all about how everything is terrible in Venezuela, and they have uh, it's authoritarian there. But for some reason, when the, the state forces, the police, the military are firing um, on protesters in neoliberal capitalist governments like uh, Chile and Haiti— uh, governments that are backed by the United States, you don't really see any of that on the news. It, it it seems to just kind of fade into the background. So, you know, we want to highlight that what we're doing here at RPM and the mission of a place like WBAI, which we all need to fight to get back on the air, is to share these stories to working class people all across New York who need to hear about the real struggles that are happening against the international ruling class. So I just want to shout out those struggles that are happening. Ecuador, they were able to push back the austerity measures. And, you know, Chile, right now, there are tanks on the street that are trying to put down a general strike that has been called. So just uh, absolute solidarity with every working class person all around the world who's engaged and struggle. All right. Well, now we uh, Lee is also joining us today. I didn't uh, shout her out in the headlines, but you know, I mean, not in the introduction, not the headlines. But Lee is with us all the time. So, 
uh, I'll let her uh, make her own introduction. And then uh, I also screwed up Charlie's last name in the <laughs> intro. It's Baker. And Charlie was a, a really key member of getting RPM off the ground. So I always want to shout him out for that. It's good to be back. Uh, we're happy to have you. So um, what we normally ask our guests here is like what got them involved in the movement for socialism? Like what forces pushed you into the struggle? Like why did you join DSA specifically? And like what sort of organizing other than, you know, helping RPM get off the ground have you been involved in? Sure. So uh, I kind of got involved in DSA in more of like a slow rolling fashion. I started going to meetings in February of 2018 because I guess I'd, you know, I'd heard about it and I wanted to check it out. I'd always been kind of a lefty Bernie Sanders supporter in 2016, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, I didn't really involve myself in any of the work that people were doing at that point. I was you know, basically just what we call a paper member, except I wasn't actually even uh, an official dues-paying member yet. I was just going to meetings, listening, uh, then going home, waiting for the next meeting. <laughs> on Twitter, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely on Twitter, you know, listening to podcasts and stuff. Um, so, you know, like many new people in DSA, I wasn't even really aware that all this stuff was going on behind the scenes that, you know, there were all these working groups that people in the organization put immense amounts of their passion and time and energy into. I I was basically like, I'm going to branch meetings every month. I'm going to like reading groups. That's it. Right. Like that's all there is for me to do. Um, and then that all changed a few months later at the end of May, 2018, I got this email blast saying, Uh, Hey, DSA just endorsed this candidate for state Senate in Brooklyn. Her name is Julia Salazar. Come by our new campaign office if you want to help out. So I show up on the first day. The office is open and I can trace everything back to that point. That's really like when my involvement in DSA uh, actually began. I started volunteering in the campaign office on a regular basis that summer. Because of that, I met dozens of amazing DSA people. Uh, They're walking in every day, committed to electing the first socialist in the state Senate in 100 years. And many of those people I now count among my close friends. So the Salazar campaign, that's like my my first real entree into DSA proper. Um, And uh, after that, I joined the organizing committee of Lower Manhattan DSA's electoral working group. Uh, And that's been like my main DSA project I've been working on in 2019 after briefly, you know, being involved in the launch of RPM, which is awesome. Still going underground. Uh, <laughs> Helping out with our social media stuff, if I'm correct, right? That That is correct. That is correct. Uh, and more recently, also in the past couple months, I became one of the co-chairs of the Lower Manhattan branch of DSA as well. Um, so in other words, like I went from having not the faintest clue of like what to involve myself in within DSA, you know, going to meetings, but feeling kind of like on the outside, knowing nobody in the room, um, and to now, like I've taken on two organizing committee positions and like, if I stop to think about it, you know, I'm doing work for DSA every single day, which is probably true of every OC member across the city. Like every organizing committee member is doing actual work, you know, for DSA every day. Um, people new to the organization, they might not realize that like leadership positions, uh, in DSA, that it's not figureheads. Um, it isn't this big like prestigious thing, they're really actual uh, hands-on administrative roles. So like when I say I'm the secretary of the electoral working group, it's not like in the Soviet sense, <laughs> you know, I'm like literally the secretary, like I'm sending emails and like making action network events, doing data entry, like spending a lot of time on Slack, going to meetings. I don't know. I hear Stalin was on Slack all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was around today. You'd want to use Signal, probably. Um, Especially when robbing those banks. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I don't know. I just want to um, give a shout out to like every organizing committee member of every working group and branch across the city because people are doing this in addition to their um, their day jobs, you know. And this is a, a volunteer task that people do on their free time while we juggle all of our responsibilities and lives outside of DSA. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's just, it's kind of a long story, but what I'm, I'm trying to get across with it is that it, like. I really strongly believe that electoral work is one of the best ways to take new paper members of DSA who are, you know, maybe kind of spinning their wheels, not really sure what to do, and get them plugged in, give them something concrete to do, and they'll meet so many people in that campaign that the next time they walk into a meeting, you know, they don't feel all alone. They literally know half the people in the room, and they've fought together working towards something meaningful. Because once you really get involved, DSA is this really special group to be a part of. I feel very lucky to have found it, be fighting <laughs> alongside y'all. Um, yeah, that's basically my story. Well, we're happy to have you fighting alongside all of us. And I, I think you are highlighting something that I hear from a lot of people. I think, like, in particular, like, Salazar's campaign was mm-hmm. a re- because it was so, like, the organizing staff, the campaign was really dominated by DSA. It was, oh, like, yeah. a DSA campaign. So gave people it empowered people in a way that they hadn't felt in a lot of right. if they'd ever gotten involved in political organizing before maybe they had just been kind of like given one thing to do and not being like given put in a position where it's like no you have these responsibilities and you're part of this campaign that we're a team we're organizing together to build power and like uh put someone like salazar who's not even just a self declared social socialist but she's like not afraid to say it's like she's a marxist like yeah she is one of the most if not the most radical people elected in government uh and i say radical as a good thing um in our lifetime uh so especially on that high level so it's it definitely the salazar campaign really i feel like pulled a lot of great people in who are now doing work in electoral and other realms of the organization yeah too it's a great springboard for a lot of people to just like get their feet wet and then take that training and you know use it someplace else afterward yeah, it's like an organizing development of like process, yeah. like, and you're you're, but also it's you're winning things too. If exactly. You, so it's not yeah. like you're just spinning your wheels. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like because she's in office, we can directly trace that to the fact that we won, you know, very strong rent regulations and tenant protections in, uh, you know, the state senate and state assembly this session. Like those would not be in place right now if if we hadn't won that. You know. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, Salazar was has been absolutely critical in pushing policy to the left in Albany and uh, shameless promotion. But we had her on a few months ago. And if you want to check that out, it's uh, wherever you're streaming podcast apps. So now let's transition into what's going on in this moment. Uh, we've already mentioned it, but Bernie had this incredible rally this weekend, the largest of the cycle and some numbers push it up because if you include all the people in the streets larger than any rally that was done in 2016 too with either Sanders or Trump that the energy is there and so maybe you've kind of already hit on your answers to this um, but why did you get involved um, with DSA's Bernie 2020 campaign and like why do you think it's such a critical uh, campaign for building working class power and and Lee feel free to jump in at any time you want <laughs> you can start yeah okay, sure, um, sure. yeah I'll talk later <laughs> Sounds good. so uh, DSA was one of the first organizations to endorse Bernie uh, pretty soon after he in- announced um, and it was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, like, being real, like, he's he's the only candidate who gives hope 
to working people, not as some, you know, beneficent act of charity, but as radical empowerment, which which is a really big difference, I think. Every other candidate is saying, look, you know, you have problems, you can't pay your medical bills, uh, you can't make rent, but, you know, I'm a smart person and I'm going to save you. I mean, it's just, it's, it's laughable. It's this, it's this technocratic language that's so immensely condescending, looking down on working people and saying, I am going to reach down and help you. And so Bernie turns that on its head. He says, I know you have problems. You can't make rent. You know, you can't pay your medical bills. I faced those same problems growing up, you know, in a rent-stabilized apartment in New York City. I'm going to empower you so that together we can take on the people who are oppressing you. And that, that's another key difference here is, you know, he says, there are people who are actively oppressing you, and we're going to stop them together. So when other candidates say, I'm going to save you, save you from what? Save you from whom? You know, they don't say. It's, it's uh, you know, they can maybe identify this effect of oppression, right? Corruption sometimes. Yeah, right, corruption. Well, I mean, it, Bernie says right. that too sometimes, but he also sure. identifies the enemy. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, don't get me started on the on the Washington Square speech, the, the triangle <laughs> shirtwaist speech. I was like, that's the wrong take, man. Um <laughs> But, you know, we, even when, when politicians are identifying, okay, you know, ooh, it seems like people in this country feel oppressed, right? Whenever they try to speak to it, it usually feels disingenuous because these candidates, they largely come from elite circles. They can't relate whatsoever to working people. And as for the cause, it's totally nebulous because, you know, for them, who can say why you're oppressed? I'm going to save you, but, you know, it's not realistic to give you everything you want. You know, here's a tax-deferred uh, medical savings account. You know, here's some crumbs. Now just, you know, sit down and shut up. Bernie is the only candidate who identifies the enemies of working people in this country, who identifies the forces who have actively chosen to put working people in the dire straits that they're in. And he says, we're going to defeat them. And the only way we can do that is together. So that's why I think this is such a critical campaign for building working class power, because he's actually using language of empowerment and telling people, I can't do this alone. We need everybody together. It's centered on building a movement. Right. It's not just about yeah, electing a president. It's about how do we build power, not just for this one campaign, but for the struggle that's to come. Like it's right. It's not like you we can't just like erase Trump and like everything's okay. It's that we, we have real problems in the society mm-hmm. and there are that we can't just do it by through the ballot box that people have to organize, build power in their workplaces, in their homes, in the streets, and unite together uh, for a long-term challenge to the ruling class and eventually they're uh, overthrowing them. Uh, so what kind of work is uh, DSA doing for Bernie 2020? And like, what has your been experience been like canvassing or tabling? Like, what are people saying? Like, what matters sure. most to them? Sure. So DSA is running what's called uh, an independent expenditure or IE campaign for Bernie, which is just this, you know, kind of fancy legalese way of saying that we're running our own campaign separate from Bernie's campaign. It means we're not legally uh, allowed to coordinate with the Bernie campaign. So if you're anything above a rank and file volunteer of one campaign, if you're in a decision making role, in other words, you can't be in a decision making role in the other campaign. Right. So there are some limitations. We can't talk to each other. But this structure is actually a really great opportunity for DSA because it allows us to operate completely independently 
from Bernie 2020. It allows us to message things however we want and not take orders from Bernie's campaign. So like a prime example of this is Saturday. We canvassed outside the Bernie rally in Queens. We had 50 DSA volunteers going out with clipboards, with flyers that advertised our DSA for Bernie campaign right alongside the four Brooklyn candidates that New York City DSA just endorsed for state Senate and state assembly. And on the other side of the flyer was this list of every DSA event in the city in the next few weeks. So we absolutely would not have been able to do that if we were part of the official Bernie 2020 campaign. We would have literally just been handing out Bernie lit, not DSA literature. Um, and when Bernie says, like, not me, us, you know, we need a movement. To be clear, DSA is that movement. You know, we need to be build something that outlasts any one campaign, like you were just saying. We need to really build power. And that's exactly what we're doing. This, this rally on Saturday, like, that was the ultimate recruiting event for DSA. 26,000 people there supporting a candidate who explicitly identifies as a democratic socialist. And who are we? We're the Democratic Socialists of America. That's like the easiest canvassing opportunity in the world, you know? <laughs> like, we literally... Bring them all together. Yeah, we got, we got like 400 signups of people who wanted to join our DSA for Bernie campaign on that one day. We sold like almost $1,000 of uh, buttons, you know, union-printed merchandise that's going to be used to fund our future canvases by clipboards, by tables and stuff, so that we can keep expanding our operation. We got, you know, like dozens of voter registrations as well. Like, this was, this was a day that was special for a lot of reasons, uh, you know, I don't think anybody is going to forget uh, that day anytime soon. The speeches we heard, AOC, Tiffany Caban. But uh, in another way, it was such a special day because we grew our operation like tenfold. You know, all these people who were at that rally are now going to be at our future events because they signed up um, and they're going to be making us stronger. That is incredible to hear and exactly the sort of work that I feel like DSA needs to be doing with this campaign if it wants to be building power in the long term is to connect people with the movement and organizing and building sort of working class institutions that can actually challenge capital and empire. Um, and I know you have to jump off. No, no, soon. I can stay for a bit. It's all good now. Um, but but I guess if you want to stay any longer, yeah, sure. feel free to. Um, we were going to go to a clip that we have from the the rally, we have put it together a ten minute thing. But before we do that, I just wanted to, um, you know, for people who weren't at the rally but are listening to this, mm -hmm. how can they get involved with the campaign? Totally, yeah. So um, the main thing we're doing right now in terms of canvassing. Uh, is focusing on voter registration efforts. Some branches have started persuasion, which means like door knocking, you know, uh, going door to door and talking to people about why they should support Bernie. Um, but mainly what we're doing right now is voter registration uh, because in New York we have closed primaries. Uh, so you can only vote for Bernie in the primary if you're a registered Democrat. And the deadline to change your part party registration, in case you're listening, is Valentine's Day, February 14th. Very convenient to remember. Um, you know, we love Bernie. We love registering as Democrats. I, don't I guess. Know. Just, that's, yeah, there's a nice way to remember. Yeah. Well, only for that purpose. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, right, right. So um, uh, we're, we're registering people to vote as Democrats, but we're particularly targeting areas with high levels of support for Bernie. So, for example, um, in my home branch of Lower Manhattan, I don't know if you saw that New York Times uh, donor map that came out a few months ago. Basically, it was like a, a breakdown by zip code of um, which zip codes, you know, heavily favor which candidates in terms of individual donations to that campaign. Right. And that's really better than any poll uh, as a metric of determining uh, candidates level of support in that area. Um, so if you look at Manhattan, right, 
uh, kind of a sad picture. We've got a lot of Warren support. We've got a lot of Buttigieg support. Aside well, unsurprisingly. From, yeah, unsurprisingly, <laughs> right? Actually, outside of Manhattan, the rest of New York City, Bernie's number one in every single zip code, or almost every single zip code in the rest of the boroughs. I think Brooklyn Heights was an exception. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very positive picture outside of Manhattan. When you look at Manhattan, the only uh, glimmer of hope, shall we say, is the Lower East Side, a solidly working class neighborhood uh, with a lot of public housing developments, right? So that's where, uh, when Lower Manhattan DSA, when we go out and do Bernie voter registration, Bernie canvases, we're targeting the Lower East Side. We're setting up outside, uh, usually, this grocery store that services uh, several different NYCHA complexes in, in a couple block radius. And so the working people of that neighborhood, you know, they come to this grocery store every weekend to get their food. And guess who's outside to greet them when they're there? That's us. You know, so it's like pretty much uh, the ideal opportunity to talk to people about Bernie. And it's been really successful in terms of like um, a lot of people had no idea that they need to... Um, be registered as a Democrat to vote for him. You know, that was a big problem in 2016. Um, is that a lot of his supporters were unable to vote for him. Uh, and I just wanted to say that, you know, there's there's a lot of like doom and gloom. I mean, up until Saturday's rally, let's say, up the AOC endorsement, there's been a lot of doom and gloom. You know, if you go on Twitter, right, Rose Emoji Twitter is always freaking out about, you know, oh my God, it's so sad. You know, it doesn't seem like we're doing very well, Bernie campaign, blah, blah, blah. If you actually go out there and talk to real people, you will have so much hope and you will be like almost 100% convinced that we will win this thing. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable. There, there was a statistic that came out about a year ago that said, you know, Bernie's the uh, most popular politician currently in America, right? You know, if you're just online, you're not going to believe that, right? Or if you're just paying attention yeah. to cable news exactly. and the New exactly. York Times and Politico, right? You'll have a your perception. Sure. Your perception gets a little twisted. There's a well-documented uh, corporate media blackout of his campaign, and when they do talk about him, it's almost universally negative, right? So if you just watch that stuff, you're going to be thinking, "Oh, you know, we're we're going to lose. I'm not going to get involved. It'll just be a waste of my time." If you do get involved you will see almost immediately that everybody loves him. I mean, you go talk to working class people, and for example, for me, the Lower East Side, you know, it's, it is the rare person who doesn't support Bernie. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, I would just say, you know, if you're in a bad mood, feeling bad about our chances, come out and canvas, because you'll end it uh, being in a good mood and thinking that we're going to win. So if you want to do that, um, we have a handy-dandy link uh, and so this will show you a map of every upcoming DSA for Bernie event across the city. So you can find the one nearest to you and one that works for your schedule. We have events uh, in every borough over the next month. It's going to be really cool. Uh, the link is bit.ly slash NYC DSA for, that's the number four, Bernie. So bit.ly slash NYC DSA for Bernie. And once again, that'll be where you can get plugged into any DSA for Bernie can canvas across the city. Incredible. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. You're so uh, welcome. We're glad, to, glad to be here, man. Glad yeah, we're to be good. back. We're very happy to have you back, and hopefully we can get some more updates from you on the campaign that as would be awesome. things progress. Hopefully, uh, hopefully WBAI can uh, 
come out from the underground, man. Yeah, I think uh, I have a feeling that next time you're on, it will be live. Uh, that's that's my hope. Here's and hoping. That's, that's uh, I mean, gotta have hope in the struggle, right? <laughs> uh, so we're gonna we're gonna jump to um, the clip that we have live from the rally. Um, Amy Wilson was there. She was talking to Bernie supporters, and uh, there's a lot of good energy, good vibes. So let's check that out. Hey, what's up, New York City? This is Amy Wilson reporting live from Queensbridge Park on Saturday, October 19th. We're here for the Bernie's Back Rally, along with 20,000-plus of our closest friends and Bernie supporters, uh, to celebrate Bernie Sanders' return to good health and his endorsement by, among many other of New York City's progressive politicians, our very own Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Let's hear from uh, the crowd at uh, the Bernie's Back Rally. All right, do you mind if I record you? That's totally fine. And what's your name? Megan. Megan, hi, I'm Amy. Hi, Amy. Nice How you doing? Yeah, nice to meet you, too. Beautiful day. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Perfect. What brought you out today? I've been supporting Bernie since 2015. Um, it's a movement. It's a revolution, and we're all in it together. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Um, what of Bernie's policies do you think is most important? They all fit together is the issue. Uh, I think the Green New Deal is essential. We have to treat the climate crisis like it's our World War III, and that means we have to throw everything at it. We need to be able to build a 21st century infrastructure and economy and be able to lift not just ourselves, but support the rest of the world in coming out of this crisis. So it's a global effort, and Bernie has the strongest plan by far um, in order to do this. And yes, it's a little idealistic, but at this point, like, we've got to try. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nothing wrong with idealistic, right? Yeah. Um, and also, Medicare for all, um, along with canceling um, the, medical, the, the medical debt that so many people are suffering from and not able to lift themselves out of. Um, people are sick and dying and rationing their medication, and we can do so much better. There is so much wealth in this country. Um, we can support everybody having their health and their dignity. Absolutely. Do you live in New York City? I do. I live in Brooklyn. Oh, cool. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's a beautiful day. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like socialism's going to win. I'm feeling it. Yeah, I, I, again, the movement is not a buzzword. It's active. It's about people putting in whatever they can, whether it's making phone calls, talking to their neighbors, registering their friends to vote. Um, the fact is that something like 50% of people don't even vote in the general election, and that gets worse for the primary and worse for midterms. Forget about local elections, right? And, yeah. and we just have to get some of that 50% of people who don't even vote in the general out to the primaries, and it is possible and we can win. Thanks so much for speaking with me. Of course, thank you so much. All right, hello. Do you mind if I record you? Absolutely. And what's your name? Um, Julian. Julian? Hi, I'm Amy. Hi, good to meet you. Nice to meet you. And what's your name? Daniel. Daniel, I'm Amy. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Lily. Lily, thanks so much for coming out today, guys. And what brought you here? 
Oh, I'm a Bernie crat. I'm worried about the country. I'm worried about the direction we're going. I see that we have a corrupt president and just trashing all the laws and the environment. You know, I got them to worry about it. And it's, it's very scary that, you know, the way we're leaving the country for them is, you know, very scary. Absolutely, yeah. And I noticed you had a senior union member, right? I'm an absolute local three, IBW. Cool, nice. And you're a WBAI listener. Absolutely, I contribute also. What's your favorite show on WBAI? Uh, Democracy Now. Well, they're a good one. They're a good one. Um, my first name is Amy, just like her, so okay. I'm like, trying to follow in her footsteps. Our show is Revolutions per Minute, uh, Tuesdays at 5, and uh, you'd heard about the WBAI shutdown, right? Yeah. You got me listening to Tempion now. I know. It's a real, it's a real shame, isn't it? Yeah, so so we're fighting for it. We're trying to bring the station back. We actually have a court date next uh, next week. Okay, cool. Yeah. So today is a beautiful day here in Queens Ridge Park, and I don't know about you guys, but today I feel like socialism is going to win. I hope so. I hope, so. I, hope, I hope people understand what it means. Everyone's like, socialism, and they're like, what do you mean socialism? That's, that's China, you know? Like, you know, you got to What's your definition of what socialism means? Socialism is, is a, a movement by the people, for the people. The, the, the major institutions, uh, you know, water, health, run by, by the people. Okay, do you mind if I record you? Yeah. I don't mind, no, no, uh, no. No, not minding, yes, it's okay. Okay, all right. And what do you need? Fanon Laco. And Rachel Himes. Hey guys, I'm Amy, and uh, we're out here at the uh, Bernie's Back Rally on October 19th. Bernie's Back, baby. Bernie's Back. How you feeling? So good, so good. Um, I'm at this rally, but also I've been doing a lot of canvassing in my neighborhood, um, day-to-day, weeknight evenings at the subway station, and so many people I talk to are like super excited about Bernie. My next-door neighbor's a Bernie supporter. People, I don't even say anything to them, and they say, yes, Bernie. So I'm feeling so good. I really believe that we can win. You know, I've heard that from people who've been canvassing all over the city. They're like, people hardly even need me to canvass them. Yeah, they were already there. And where do you live? Where are you doing this? I live in Flatbush. Um, yeah, so right underneath Prospect Park. I'm so, so excited. I mean, Ocasio just endorsed is absolutely incredible. I think it's also a really great thing for the movement because, you know, a lot of people love Ocasio for her politics, but also for the fact that she's a person with politics who's also a woman of color, um, someone who looks like me. I think that that's, like, really beautiful to see, and it's, I think, going to bring a lot of people who might have skepticism about the fact that Bernie is a white man, I think, hopefully more confidently into the fold, and very, very important because that makes him more receptive to the basic message of democratic socialist politics, that if we come together, we're able to create powerful, transformative change in our communities. Absolutely, and I think that, you know, we're seeing this sort of reaction this week to the AOC and Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib endorsements is like, ooh, identity politics, but they're women of color, like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. and, uh, you know, like, not being a woman of color myself, but being a woman, you know, it's like, the policies are where it's at. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of like liberals, white liberals, surprised that these women of color like won't fall in line with the Democratic Party. Like honestly, genuine shock that they won't do that. I'm so happy that they're not. It's so meaningful. And this is one of the amazing things about the Bernie campaign, and also the contrast between Bernie and Warren, is that for all of the difficulties that it creates for the campaign, for one thing, it's good for us as Democratic Socialists is that it draws a clear line. We're not for just electing someone who says they're going to come up with the best plan, that the problem with America is that we haven't had good plans. The problem with America is the ruling class. The problem with with America is the fact that people who have interests directly in contrast to ours have the ability to control and shape what our society looks like, and that's unacceptable. 
the extent that we can change that, it's going to require organizing and building a fighting movement by and for the working class. Um, and that's the thing that Bernie is so clearly unequivocal about, and I think it's the thing that's really um, sharpened and highlighted by the controversy. Well, today I'm feeling like socialism is going to win. How about you, Tim? Absolutely. I mean, so many people are on board with socialism and talk to them in our communities, and I think for them, socialism means something like pretty simple, like not that complicated. It means like being able to live your life in a safe way, a healthy way, having a home that isn't crumbling, having landlords who aren't actively trying to evict you, having knowing that if you get sick, you will be able to get well in a with the adequate care and not go bankrupt. That's what socialism means to people who I talk to about it many times a week, like in my neighborhood, in and around Brooklyn. Um, it's what people want. Is socialism going to win? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, because we have an incredible candidate that's inspired millions of people across the country, but also yes, because that candidate has inspired people to organize. I think DSA, like, seeing the growth that we're having during the campaign, seeing the capacity to organize, to win, to elect people like Ocasio, people like Julia Salazar, people like hopefully our four new candidates um, for Assembly and Senate and the state, people like, you know, being able to push Hakeem Jeffries to become a co-sponsor of Medicare for All, like, these are all signs that the theory of change that we stand behind is going is going to win. And the more that we build, the more that we win, the more successful this campaign is, the more true that's going to be. So win or lose with Bernie Sanders, socialism is going for the long run. And I think the important thing there is, like, I think hopefully what we can communicate to people with the movement in DSA, with the movement with socialism in general, is that this is an, an involvement that extends beyond electoral politics. We're meeting people where they're at. People think politics is voting. Um, people are right here at this rally because they're interested in a presidential candidate. But I hope, hopefully what we can do in building this movement let people know that politics extends beyond, like, voting at the ballot box can become a part of your daily life. That's what the movement is. Absolutely. Well, well said. Thanks so much for both of you. Yeah, thank you. And there you have it, folks. That's straight from the mouths of our comrades in attendance uh, at the Bernie's Back Rally. Uh, socialism will win, and it will win because we're working to do so. Uh, this has been Amy Wilson uh, for Revolutions Per Minute. Now back to the studio to hear more about DSA's campaigns. Thanks, Amy, for that really great special report that we have uh, from the rally on Saturday. I was there, and it was really an incredible, incredible scene, and uh, I feel very, very encouraged um, after that day. So now um, Lee is taking center stage as we talk about the location of the rally, why it was so important for it to be at Queensbridge Park, what that symbolizes and what Bernie was trying to point out in terms of environmental racism. Yeah. So, I mean, in addition to being in Long Island City, which was this, you know, spot of an incredible victory um, against capitalism as, you know, we kept out Amazon. Uh, if you look at, you know, the images of the the rally, you, you know, see the massive crowd and then you see these massive, massive spoke, uh, smokestacks in the background. And that is Ravenswood Power Plant. It is a massive, massive power plant that provides about 20% of New York City's power. And um, it's not always running at full capacity. Sometimes it's a peaker plant, which means on the days that we need to, uh, you know, use the most energy it's running. But it is the dirtiest power plant in New York State. It burns number six oil, which is one of the dirtiest fuels as far as particulate matter that 
uh, comes out. That's like a it's a pollutant that comes when you burn oil, and it also burns frac gas. Um, so this is a very dirty fossil fuel plant, and it is also very close to the Queen Bridge housing, which is the country's largest public housing. So. For Bernie to choose this location, it was kind of to bring together these two really important issues, which in, you know, for decades, a lot of times people have been organizing in silos. You know, the people working on housing necessarily haven't been working with the environmental movement, especially for a long time. The environmental movement has been dominated by, you know, white people trying to save the polar bears. (laughs) And what, you know, Bernie was able to bring out and show is that environmental racism and environmental justice have to be key components of any plan moving forward. You know, you can't have a Green New Deal and not address the fact that New York's dirtiest power plants are almost always in low-income communities. They're almost always in black and brown communities. You know, the other peaker plants that are run by frack gas in New York City are almost all in low-income communities, communities of color like Sunset Park. Um, And, you know, so for a very long time, time, Astoria has kind of been dumped on. Um, In addition to the Ravenswood power plant, um, there's the Astoria generating um, station, which is where that explosion was um, this or, you know, last year. And so this area has been polluted for a very long time by these massive, massive power plants. And in addition to the highways that go through this area. So it was, you know, nicknamed Asthma Alley because people are breathing in these pollutants. And what is it doing? Oh, it's so that, you know, we can you know, power Manhattan and the financial district and the rich people who live on, you know, the Upper East Side and Upper West Side, like there's no power plants there. Um, You know, where we see them is places like Con Ed's power plant is in the Lower East Side, like we just heard before, you know, some of the still working class communities in Manhattan. Um, So it was like a very important place to be. And Bernie made that a very center point of his speech that, you know, these issues are related and we can't move forward without addressing them. Um, You know, just a little bit of history about Ravenswood. It was originally owned by Con Edison. Uh, Then they had to sell it um, and it switched hands a lot over the last couple of years because it's had a lot of financial problems. At one point it was owned by TransCanada, which is the company that wants to build the Keystone XL pipeline. So, you know, it's had owners like Con Ed and TransCanada, people who actually don't care about the communities, you know, where their infrastructure is located. You know, all they care about is making their profit and they don't care that people in Queensbridge housing, you know, have been poisoned by this plant for decades. Yeah, it, it was so powerful to hear him really call that out and something that I've been hoping to hear from Bernie, how, you know, when you're talking about the capitalism and the way that it impacts people and how it is so much easier to demonize and kind of take resources away and pollute um, communities that are racialized and demonized by dominant ideologies, by the media. And when these people are said, oh, you know, those people don't really matter. Capitalism relies on having populations that are considered lower and basically inhuman. So for him to center anti-racism and environmental justice, bringing those together was really incredible. Um, And it's absolutely necessary for the socialist movement to build. And so can you just tell uh, our listeners a little bit about like what eco-socialists were doing 
um, at the rally and how it relates to the public power campaign. Yeah, so I mean, right before the rally, actually, um, New York City DSA Eco-Socialist Working Group was having a um, training with some other um, allies that have been organizing around things like a Green New Deal, New York City Communities for Change, the Sunrise Movement, Food and Water Watch, to launch a new campaign called the Green New Deal Uprising. And the first demand of that campaign is for public power. And that's something, too, that really separates a lot of the presidential candidates. I mean, we're seeing you know, plans for climate change that are way better than what we saw in 2016. And a lot of people actually recognizing that this is, you know, a huge crisis. But there are some differences in people's plans. You know, you have someone who's very centrist like Joe Biden, who will not come out against fracking. Um, and then you have, you know, Senator Elizabeth Warren saying we can ha- ban fracking and Bernie Sanders. But then where the difference is, is Bernie Sanders is calling for public power and ownership of our utilities. And that's a really important part as we make this transition. So at Ravenswood, where, you know, you know, the backdrop of this uh, rally was, they've now approved to have massive battery storage, which is like seems like a good thing. Like, okay, we're going to start ramping down the fossil fuel use there. We're going to use this site for something good. But just replacing fossil fuels with renewable energy doesn't address, you know, the environmental harm and the environmental justice that has been happening for decades. You know, a real Green New Deal has to center those things. And when we have public power, we can actually do that in a much like more significant way. You know, currently with Con Edison, with National Grid, millions and millions of our ratepayer dollars are just going to pay off their shareholders. The current model is that if they invest more in fossil fuel infrastructure, oh, then they can just get more money on their return. So New York City uh, DSA Eco-Socialist Working Group has been working now to launch a campaign for public power so that we can take that power back from our, like literally like take our power and our power back. You know, these things are very, very linked. And so, you know, I think just having this location, you know, really centering a Green New Deal as part of his campaign, you know, I think that's a big part too of having AOC there. And, you know, because, you know, she's really put the Green New Deal on the map in a way that a lot of people have been struggling to do for a very long time. So uh, it, it's, you know, it's very important that this rally happened there. And I think it highlights the struggle that we're going to be having here in New York City. You know, are we going to continue to invest tons and tons of money on fossil fuel infrastructure? And, you know, how do we actually get off of fossil fuels in a way that makes sure that the communities that have been the most harmed are reaping the benefits of that and owning their own power. You know, how do we have solar on NYCHA? You know, that we are no longer beholden to corporate utilities, to fossil fuel companies. And that's what, you know, right now we're working towards here in New York City. It's been a campaign that is now endorsed by all of New York City DSA. Um, And I think it's really exciting, too, to kind of make sure that it's an issue that's intersecting with housing because they are so related. You know, buildings... Uh, like NYCHA buildings and a lot of low-income communities, you know, their housing is not actually safe for them. You know, it, it leaks energy. It, it's, um, you know, there's mold, things like that. These things are very, very linked. And I think the more we link, you know, the environmental movement with the housing movement, it's it's really going to be an unstoppable force. And I'm sure it's something that really scares, <laughs> you know, both the real estate industry and, you know, big corporate utilities like Con Ed and National Grid. Anything that scares those two reactionary um, 
evil forces sounds like a good thing to me. And I just want to end on the note and i think what you're really highlighting here is that like by having the rally there it's also like it's um it's like we need this is the social base that we're going to use to transform our society the people who are most impacted by the horrors of capitalism need to be at the center of leading it and empowering them not just regulating things so that we can ask the people who are polluting our planet and you know making people suffer so they can profit asking them to behave better no we need to take the power for ourselves and uh so thank you for ending the episode on that really important note um and i want to thank charlie for joining us and i want to thank our listeners for tuning every week hopefully next week we'll be back live the struggle for wbi continues the struggle for bernie sanders to get elected continues and the struggle the big struggle for socialism is on the move um that's it for rpm this week hope uh, you'll tune in next week